and welcome to Watch It Baptist Church Online. My name's Mike, I'm the pastor at WBC. It's great to have you with us. And we're looking for the second time at the topic of wisdom. We're going to pray and then we're going to dive right in. Lord Jesus, you were wise. And as you taught your apostles, you enabled them to be wise too. Perhaps not all the time, but we now long to know wisdom, to understand what wisdom is and to pursue it. And so we ask that you, by your spirit, would open our eyes to that wisdom today. Amen. Here's an inconvenient thing for me. I now can't really go very many places without putting my glasses on. I can drive, I can see long distances, I can stand on a hilltop and enjoy the view, no problem. But if I want to be able to read, I don't know, um, a label in a shop or a menu at a restaurant, or, uh, or even if one of my children wants to pass me something on their phone they want me to read and, you know, and I want to be able to read it, then I need to put on my glasses. Without them, I just can't read things unless they're in a nice big font size. Usually 16 or 18 is what I need these days if I don't want to be using my glasses. If I want to make sense of the world, I need the right lens. I need to be able to see clearly and in different situations, that lens is going to be, I'm going to need something different from that lens. My uh, optician has advised that if it's very bright and sunny, I should wear sunglasses to protect my eyes for later life. So even when I'm not reading something, sometimes I need to have the right lenses in, in order to protect my, uh, myself and to make the best sense of the world around me. Wisdom is an awful lot about identifying the lens through which you're going to look at life. That lens is going to be different depending on who you are, what your upbringing was like, what your circumstances are now, what age you are, what your assumptions are about how the world works, what your interests are, how literate you are, how wealthy or not wealthy you might be. Lots of reasons why the lenses might need to be different. But ultimately, the lens that we're looking to use is the one that God uses. We're looking to see things through the lens of God's perspective. Now, wisdom is kind of another word for that lens. How do we see the world? Well, we see it through the lens of God's wisdom and we ask him for his wisdom so that we might see what he sees and then respond to it how he would respond. Is it, and this is a question I've been wrestling with as I've been preparing for this one, is it, is wisdom a natural thing or a supernatural thing? Early on in King Solomon's reign, Solomon was the son of King David. He was the second king of Israel. Saul was the first. So it goes Saul, David, Solomon. And those are the only three who are king of the whole place. Early in Solomon's reign, um, God comes to him in a dream and says, what do you want? What, what can I give you as you begin ruling as king over my people? And famously, Solomon says, I want wisdom. And God says, do you know what? You, you've asked for wisdom and you could have asked for riches. And, and things that would help you show off to your neighbours and other kings around you. But you haven't. You've asked for wisdom so that you would do a good job. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you wisdom and I'm going to give you all the treasures as well. And 
away goes Solomon with this reputation for wisdom that he carries throughout his reign. That is supernatural. That gift of wisdom is something he didn't have to hone over years. It's something that he just acquired. But I say for an awful lot of us, even those of us who pray that God will give us wisdom, we also have the very natural experience of developing wisdom over a longer period of time. So I would argue that it's a blend. Wisdom is a blend of the natural and the supernatural. But wisdom cannot exist outside real life. Even if it's given supernaturally, it has no value outside of the real life existence that we are living, as long as we're not pretending to ourselves about who we are and what we like, and the world out there as it truly and really is. We looked in the first part about how wisdom seems to be tied up with creation and how we might see Jesus uh, as an echo of that wisdom. And we said that as God is love, arguably we could also say God is wisdom. He created by wisdom and through Jesus. And so as we look for that lens, a lens of wisdom through which we might see and understand the world, read it well, if you like, um, the, the reading glasses of wisdom, um, then, we, then we're looking at something, seeing it as a loving and wise God sees it. Now, this takes me on to, I think, a key question. That's with lots of things in the way I grew up in my understanding of the Bible, in my experience of church. Lots of it seemed to be quite theoretical. The pursuit of theology and good doctrine very much seemed to be about getting the right thoughts in your head in the right order. Kind of like making sure that if you've got a bookshelf, um, that all the books are are tidily arranged, and all the bigger ones are at the end, and all the shorter ones are in the middle, and maybe even having them in a, in a sweep of colour coding with red up one end and blue up the other, and a rainbow-like in between, that kind of thing. But actually, the more time you spend looking at how the Bible understands real life, the more you think, actually, I'm not sure God's that bothered about that. I'm not sure doctrine is really, uh, or Christian faith is really about having tidy doctrine. We talked last time about the burrito and how when you get to grips with what wisdom is bringing you, it's about recognising that reality is messy. And if we're going to enjoy the, all the flavours of life, we're best off freeing them and enjoying them as they are rather than trying to wrap them up in a tiny parcel. So. Do we think that wisdom is more about theory or practice? Well, I've probably given away what I think about that. Is it about morals or ethics? Well, I, I probably would want to say that it's a blend again, much as wisdom isn't just natural or supernatural. It isn't just morals or ethics. It's about knowledge and understanding. And we quoted last time from um, Albert Einstein saying, anyone can know. What's matters, what's important is to understand. So wisdom demands an engagement with real life. 
and I, and I played around with this idea a little bit. I, I wondered about describing wisdom as uh, being like um, lighting a firework. You know, you're supposed to light the blue touch tape paper and then get as far away as you sensibly can before it goes off. And I thought, well, wisdom doesn't want us to withdraw to a safe distance. Wisdom wants us to be right where things are um, busy and bustly and, and real and at the sharp end. And then I gave up on that illustration because effectively it felt like I was suggesting that we enjoy a firework by sitting right next to it when it goes off and that sounded like a bad idea. So scratch that. But something of this idea of, of wisdom really being at its most useful when it's engaged with the stuff of real life, that did stay with me. There's a whole load of wisdom, what's called wisdom literature in the Bible. Um, it starts um, with Job and they've helpfully grouped them all together. So it's Job and Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Songs. They're all wisdom literature. And we spent a bit of time looking at Ecclesiastes in 2022. And one of the things we discovered was that Ecclesiastes is brutally honest about what life is actually like. It says things like, um, you know, the, the fastest doesn't always win the race. And even when you start looking at what Ecclesiastes has to say about wisdom, it says, tells a story about a situation where a wise man saves a city, but he's poor, so everyone forgets him. And being wise by itself doesn't seem to have brought him um, the respect of the people around him, even though he did great things. So there's an awareness that kind of life can suck um, and be hard and difficult and disappointing. I think it's in the awareness of that being exactly what life is like that wisdom really comes into its own. You might say um, that you have really good Bible knowledge, that your understanding of theology and doctrine is really good. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I love digging around those things. I love getting to grips with them and I love the chance to talk about them. But I'm also aware that it's very easy for those things to become something of an ivory tower. And so you, know, you might say that you have really great Bible knowledge and I might reply by saying, well, what good is that, is that if it doesn't have an impact on real life? Or to put it in the context of wisdom, what good is your knowledge if it doesn't lead to a wise way of interacting with the world? Now, to this point, you're probably thinking, Mike, you're 10 minutes in and you haven't used any scripture yet. Well, that's because it's only at this point that I wanted to turn to it. So we're going to be reading from Proverbs 8. We're going to be reading verses 1 to 16. Uh, so let's have a little look at this. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Listen as wisdom calls out. Hear as understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads. By the gates at the entrance to the town, on the road leading in, she cries aloud, I call to you, to all of you, I raise my voice to all people. You simple people, use good judgment. You foolish people, show some understanding. Listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Everything I say is right, for I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. My words are plain to anyone with understanding, clear to those with knowledge. Choose my instruction rather than silver and knowledge rather than gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. I, wisdom, live together with good judgment 
I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. Common sense and success belong to me. Insight and strength are mine. Because of me, kings reign and rulers make just decrees. Rulers lead with my help and nobles make righteous judgments. I want to draw your attention to verse 12 there. Wisdom is about good judgment, knowledge and discernment. These are not magical characteristics. In fact, they are very much the product of time spent, of observation, of self-awareness. Verse 14 says common sense is in there as well. And, and this kind of description of wisdom is like very much chimes with what Proverbs 3 told us last time. The other thing I want to draw your attention to is verses 2 to 3. I'll just go back and have a look at them again. It says, on the hilltop along the road, wisdom takes her stand at the crossroads. By the gates at the entrance of the town, on the road leading in, she cries aloud. Why those places? This isn't just nice description. There's something important being highlighted here. At meeting places at crossroads, by the gates where people gather to talk and discuss. We talked last time about um, city council and elders meeting at the gates, and that's exactly this kind of thing. At those key meeting places and gathering places, that's where wisdom is calling. Pay attention. Follow my lead. Wisdom, though, isn't automatic. We've talked before at Watcher Baptist Church about this. Very Little, in fact, I'd say pretty much nothing of our discipleship journey, of our, of our journey following Jesus, is automatic. Things don't happen by default. They happen because we choose them. Jesus doesn't make us do anything. The Father doesn't, doesn't pull our arm up behind our back and, and shove us forward. We have to choose. We have to choose to grow. We talk about that from time to time. We have to choose the path to maturing as disciples. And there's something similar going on here with wisdom. Wisdom is crying out, saying, look, there is a way. There is a way to make better sense of the world. There's a way for things to work correctly, and it's by following wisdom's lead. But we've got to choose to follow. As wisdom cries out at the crossroads, we need to go to that crossroads and be part of that conversation. As as wisdom gathers outside the city gates where the meetings take place, we need to go and, and listen so that we might gain wisdom, gain understanding. Knowledge is needed for these things to work, but understanding and wisdom are building on knowledge. Knowledge isn't the end by itself. There's a, an American um, author called Tom Wilson who wrote this, Wisdom doesn't necessarily come with age. Sometimes age just shows up all by itself. There is no guarantee that just getting older will make you wiser. We have to choose to invest in our understanding. We have to ask God to help us to discern what wise is. A bit of a sucker for um, a Star Trek Next Generation quote, so I am going to use one of those as well. So um, 
Lieutenant Commander Data, because they can't say Lieutenant properly. Lieutenant Commander Data says this, the beginning of wisdom is to say, I don't know. And that takes us back to this idea um, from the Old Testament particularly that um, Old Testament writers are unhappy with scoffers. They have no time for them and single them out for uh, reprimand. The scoffers are identified as those who feel that they don't have anything left to learn. They scoff at those who are looking to make that journey, who are looking to develop their wisdom, to better understand God's perspective and who God is. Scoffers, uh, the Bible encourages us to not take seriously at all. When you start off by saying, I don't know, or at least I don't know everything, then you open yourself to wisdom. You open yourself to growth. Socrates, the Greek philosopher, put it like this, the only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. I have a, a good friend, uh, a now retired pastor and academic, uh, who uh, used to work on the staff at Spurgeon's, and, and his kind of refrain as we talk uh, when we meet up is, you know, the, the older I get, the more I realise how little I know. And, and he always describes it as the older he gets, he feels like he knows less than he used to, not because information is falling out of his head, but because as his perspective improves, so he realises how little certainty he has. And he cherishes this as a, as a form of wisdom. As I said before, Ecclesiastes reminds us that life is random, that death is inescapable that control is out of reach and that joy is always available and that integrity is essential. And in the middle of all these things, living in the world that's like that, we need to grab hold of a pair of God glasses to see things through his eyes, to see things with his wisdom. Now, fortunately for us, the New Testament, as well as the Old Testament writers, give us a flavour of how that works. You might remember in Galatians that there is a description of the fruits of the Spirit, and perhaps you know them by heart. But as we look to see how God sees the world, we're encouraged to see that he looks through a lens himself of love and peace, of patience and goodness, of faithfulness, and gentleness, among others. Confucius, just to add another philosopher to the list that I'm quoting from, Confucius says this, by three methods may we learn wisdom. First, by reflection, which is noblest. So that's by being able to be self-aware. Second, by imitation, which is easiest. So you see someone else who's wise and you do things like they do them. The third, by experience, which is the bitterest. And we get wise by living through difficult circumstances and finding out about ourselves and the world through them. I want to leave you just with a, a kind of summary of where I think we've gone with this session, and then we'll look at our questions uh, and we'll pray in between. So I want to summarise uh, what we've been talking about this time by saying wisdom draws on real life on the harshness that it is, on the joy that it is too. And wisdom, its value is to speak into real life and not to pretend 
otherwise. Following Jesus, following God's lead without that engagement with real life, very quickly just becomes an exercise in ticking boxes. And as we know from the New Testament, the Pharisees were very keen on ticking boxes and in some respects very good at it. And in all the important ways, Jesus was very unimpressed by that way of living. We are called to wisdom. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that we would know the fruit of you in our lives and that we would see real life through the lens that you see it. And that would inspire us, that it would, where necessary, rebuke us too. And that we might engage with real life and the real people around us in the way that you would, because that is wisdom. Amen. Okay, so we've got our three questions. Question one, have you encountered churches or Christians that seem to have very little awareness of real life? And if you have, maybe think for a minute about why that awareness isn't there. Question two, have you ever asked God to give you common sense or good judgment? And if you haven't, why do you think maybe that hasn't been something you've asked for before? I don't ask the question so that we can feel bad about not doing it, but so that we might understand ourselves. Sometimes we might ask for um, healing, for better health. Sometimes we might ask for things for others, but it would seem that the pursuit of wisdom would include asking for common sense for ourselves. And, and perhaps it's worth thinking, if we don't do that, why don't we? Thirdly, and drawing on verse 13 from our passage, how are pride and arrogance the opposite of wisdom? Well, that's it from me. It's been a joy to spend time with you, to share some of this stuff about wisdom too. I look forward to catching up with you soon. God bless you.